Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Up and I've realised my shirt is untucked again. I remember my grandma always used to say to me, giddy giddy gout, your shirt hanging out, half a yard in and half a yard out. And I spend my whole time. The trouble is, right, there was a time there it was fashionable to have your shirt untucked. And now it's not so, but every time I go and tuck it in, I go and tuck it in my pants. And then it's like, <laughs> you get your pants sticking out the top of your trousers. It's not pretty, is it? It's like, you know, awkward. So, uh, fantastic. Well, um, we had a, Aaron and I were in Denmark, uh, as you know, on the uh, uh, last weekend. And we had a fantastic time, Pastor Klaus. Uh, and Lynetta, they're, um, how many kids they got now? Five. Um, five? Four. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. They've got five kids. They keep producing them. And, uh, so, uh, and uh, so they send their love. And uh, the church over there is going really, really well. Uh, it's the best it's, uh, it's ever been. I've been um, uh, overseeing uh, the work there with uh, Klaus uh, since uh, 2002. And uh, we've been working with them, the church, um, you know, over a long period of time. It goes through many um, journeys and ups and highs and lows. And uh, Pastor Klaus um, has really sort of fought hard to, uh, to work with the church. And it's now really beginning to take off, uh, which is fantastic. The church is the biggest it's ever been in the history of the church. And um, it actually, the church is like 90 years old or something. So... Um, it, it really, this is a sort of a breakthrough season, and um, uh, so it's exciting, isn't it? It's, it's wonderful to see. It's um, um, for those of you who don't know Denmark. It's um, a number of um, islands. You've got the the main um, Jutland, which is connected to the main part of Europe, and then the rest of Denmark is all separated islands um, connected with bridges. And uh, Hobro, uh, where Klaus um, passes, is in the north of Jutland, uh, a very beautiful part. Uh, of the uh, of the country and um, a very rural location, um, quite sort of uh, quite a long way away from the cities, etc. Uh, but quite cosmopolitan. They have a lot of people coming in. Um, they've had a lot of refugees and that coming, which actually creates. As soon as you get people from other nations, it gives a place life. It gives it. A, I, I always feel sorry for places that are just filled with everyone that's related to everyone else. <laughs> Because it's kind of like, it's like, it's a really small world. That anywhere, any world that's like that is really small. It's small-minded. They've got no concept of a bigger world. And the moment you get a church which is filled with the nations, you end up with a church that's filled with a bigger vision and a bigger life and a greater understanding, a, a greater uh, capacity to, to, for grace and, and for understanding of cultures and, and how that works. Uh, and so it was uh, just fantastic. Just love seeing what God is doing in the church over there. We were, this morning I want to speak on, um, this is our last Sunday, by the way, of 40 Days of Thanks. Who's enjoyed the uh, series? It's amazing. So the uh, 40 Days will finish this, this coming week. And um, it, it really has been a phenomenal time. I, I wonder, actually, I think we should do this. This is spontaneous. Um, okay, could you please come up? Um, we want to thank OK for the work he's done. Come on, let's uh, come bring him up. Absolutely phenomenal. 
They love you, man. They love you. Isn't that amazing? Okay, it's done. He's done the lion's share of the work in, in preparing uh, a, a number of uh, contributors, uh, including Pastor Owen. Uh, we've got Becca and Jemima from Inverness with us this morning. So, and, uh, so their, their father, Owen, had, has, has done a lot of work. And then OK um, had to go through everyone's to make sure that the voice and everything was the same. So just do the editing process and get it through, get all the, the links and everything. He's done a phenomenal amount of work. It works so hard, and we really do appreciate everything you've done okay. And uh, your preaching is phenomenal. People are loving what you're giving in the house. Isn't he wonderful? Yeah. Just thank God for the, for the men of the house that are just hold up the, the church pillars that, uh, that make the church grow. Amen? Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. God bless you. So, uh, yeah, so Aaron and I were going through, um, going, on our way to Denmark, we were um, travelled via Amsterdam, um, and uh, we were, Amsterdam Airport, for any of you who've been there, uh, it's huge, it really is an enormous airport, um, but it, it's quite, it, it's sort of separated in zones, you, and you, you tend to find that whatever zone you flew into, your, your connecting gate um, is in a zone that's the furthest away. And, uh, and you have the least amount of time to get there in. And, uh, so, but the beauty of, um, the beauty of, of uh, Amsterdam Airport is that they have numerous uh, coffee stations along the way to replenish you, uh, unless you die of exhaustion. And, uh, but the other thing, of course, they have is the travelators, which are uh, lots of fun if you're a kid, because you can run the wrong way up them, and uh, so, but we were, we were sort of marching through, and sometimes it just wasn't convenient to fight through the crowd to get onto the Travelator to get there, but when you can get on a Travelator, that just makes life a little bit easier, doesn't it? It's like this, this sort of easier, I want to get from A to B, and I'm on the Travelator, and these Travelators are quite fast, it's funny watching people come off them, because they're sort of, they're walking like this, and then <laughs> as they come off the end, it's thundering, <laughs> and try- and, uh, and there really is, it's just, it's just one of those fantastic moments. But the, 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 uh, Cheryl and I, I've often told this story in Manchester, we watched these people on travelators that were just facing backwards with their trolleys and their baskets, uh, their, their bags, and they're just facing the wrong way, chatting away on a travelator when it came to the end, and they all fell on top of each other, and there's, there's a trolley, and there's, and there's like loads of us, about ten people all on top of each other, going round and round like in a washing machine, and Cheryl and I, Cheryl was just standing there walking backwards on it, laughing her head off, and, uh, and I, I jumped off looking for the emergency stop, but couldn't find it, oh, what the heck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing. We, we love travelators because they make life easy. They give you... And here's the thing about humanity. We're always looking for something which makes life a little bit easier. Yeah. We're looking for that, that easy lift, that, that thing that just helps us get beyond the struggles, get beyond the, 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 the strain of life, even if it's just simply walking, uh, getting from A to B. If I can walk from A to B quicker, easier, then I think I'll choose that option. Um, when I was 18, uh, I went to work for my uncles, and my uncles had one of the largest furniture stores in, in, in Sussex, and um, they had uh, a four-story um, 
furniture store that had been once upon a time had been a, a cinema. My grandfather had purchased this old cinema and converted it out, turned it into a furniture stop. And they used to sell mattresses, and they were the largest supplier of mattresses in the southeast. And they used to get a container load of mattresses delivered every week. And um, I had to. I remember when I went to work for them. I was 18 years old. And uh, I, I was sent down to the basement with this lorry parked up against the, uh, the loading bay. Uh, and, and I'm walking onto the back of a lorry. And here's a lorry driver who, who's been delivering mattresses all his life. He's like in his 60s, um, just that sort, of, that sort of gritty kind of um, lorry driver look that only lorry drivers have. You know, it's just like they've been in the cabin and they've, they've seen a lot. And, and here he is, and he's just a, a gritty... Um, oldish guy and uh, <laughs> I have to be careful what I say when I was 18 he was an old guy right and uh, <laughs> now he's only a little bit older than me and uh, so <laughs> and, uh, and now here's the thing right I was for every mattress that I carried he carried about five because wow. here was the thing I didn't know how to carry them and he was just picking these things up throwing them over his shoulder walking out now some of these mattresses like a mattress, like single mattresses, they're okay, but when you get a five-foot-wide mattress, it's a pocket sprung, uh, which means every single spring is individually, um, individually sewn in, uh, and you get like 1,000, 1,500, sometimes 2,000 springs in a mattress. They're really, really heavy. They're really thick. And I, I mean, this beast, these beasts of things would fight me all the way. It would be like, I don't know how to get... It would be towering over me, and I was trying to move these things, but this guy would come on, and he, he knew how to shift a mattress. And until I knew how to do the easy lift, I, w- I couldn't carry it. But, but once I found the easy lift, I was able to just get in there, flip the thing over on its side, let the weight of the, of the mattress do all of the work, and get it in the middle, onto my shoulder, and out the door. And I could carry a mattress um, like anyone else. The annoying thing was when I got there that my... My cousin's wife, who used to work with me, um, she was five foot nothing, looked like uh, a gust of wind would blow her away. And uh, she would walk past me, look at me, and she was one of these, like, no-nonsense women. And, uh, and uh, wouldn't <laughs> she took no prisoners. She would just give me a slap, walk out of the way, throw a mattress over her shoulder and walk out with it. And there I am, 18 years of age. <laughs> being utterly humiliated <laughs> by an old man and a tiny woman. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's because I didn't know the easy lift. I didn't know. And I want you to know that we preach in the gospel about, we preach in church about how you can't expect things to be easy. It's, it's hard, but we believe in God. and It's about that. But I want to show you in the Bible the easy lift. Who wants an easy lift? If you want an easy, an easy lift, there's got to be a place in the kingdom of God where you, can, where you can learn that easy lift. It says here in the book of Psalms and 28. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Um, that's because it's short. <laughs> For those of you who are wondering, I'm not reading Psalm 119. Right, so... Psalm 28, verse 1. To you I will cry out, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I become like one of those who go down to the pit. I just want you to know David's having a bad time. He's feeling a little depressed, a little sort of sorry for himself. Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry to you, when I lift up my hand toward your holy sanctuary. 
Do not take me away with the wicked and the workers of iniquity who speak peace to their neighbours but evil in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavours. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render to them what they deserve. You can feel him spitting it out, can't you? It's like... Give it to them, not to me. This is, you can tell he's feeling really victimized right now. And you can tell that what he's feeling is that his life is, is, is going in the same manner that the wicked. And he's giving his life in service to God. And yet what he's reaping is the same things that the wicked people should be reaping. And he wants the wicked to reap what they should get. And for him to reap what he should get according to his faith. And he's kind of like, he's spitting it out. He's really frustrated. And it says in verse 5, Because they do not regard the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Verse 6, he gets a tone. This is where the revelation, the grace starts to pour in. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And with my song, I will praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving refuge of his anointed. Save your people. Bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also, and bear them up forever. Now, the thing with David here is he's feeling a weight of oppression and he spouts out that oppression. But so often in the Psalms, he learns to turn and declare the goodness of God and somehow he manages to lift himself. See, everything in life is about the lift. It's about how you can lift yourself in point of faith. How you can turn your heart at point of pressure. How you can... David, at the point of Ziglag, when he comes to a place, and Ziglag has been taken, and, and uh, the, the uh, Amicalites have taken, uh, taken it, and there he is, and, and his own men are so frustrated with David um, that they want to stone him. And, and David is kind of like... He's, he's not only had the enemy take away uh, his wives and his children and all his belongings, but his own men now want to kill him because of the, that sense of failure. And, and David finds the lift, and he finds the lift by turning to God. You see, there is a, there is a lift that we can find. Now, here's the thing I find when I'm pastoring and counseling people, is that people say, well, I tried to pray, and I didn't get anywhere. Who knows what that feels like? I tried to pray, I read the word, and I declared the word. Sometimes we talk to people about their belief system, their ungodly beliefs. We all have ungodly beliefs. We have ungodly things that we say. What is an ungodly belief? An ungodly belief normally goes around somewhere like this. I can't do that. I have failed. I don't believe that I am able. I don't believe that God wants to bless me. I believe that. There are things which we believe about ourselves which do not align up with the Word of God. And we know that the Word, we, no one would ever argue the Word of God is not the Word of God, but we just feel that it doesn't apply to us all the time. That somehow our life experience kind of rejects that. And so the Christian, the, the Christian is looking for the lift because when you feel the lift, faith reconnects 
you reconnect with the word, you're able to put aside your doubts and your fears and you're able to walk in faith again and praise God. And so what we're looking for, but here's the secret, right? The key for David in his lift wasn't in the word. Right? You can stone me now. (laughs) Build a bonfire. Put me on top. (laughs) It wasn't in the Word. Now you say, what do you mean? It wasn't in the Word. The Word of God is the Word of God. It is. But the Word of God, how many of you have read the Word that is the Word and not been transformed? All of you. A lot of the time. (laughs) In fact, most of the time you read the Word and experience no transformation. The only time you experience a transformation is when you experience the lift. There is a moment when your heart lifts and that's the point of transformation. And that transformation has so much life and energy, it carries you through all those other moments when you're reading the Word and not experiencing transformation. So where did the lift come from? Because David, he didn't use... The lift, he didn't use the word. He didn't use the word of God, which was the word. It says in Matthew chapter 7, at the end of uh, Matthew chapter 7, it says of Jesus that the people were amazed because he taught as one who had authority, not like the scribes. That's interesting. Because the scribes knew the Word of God better than anyone else. The scribes could recite the Word of God. I was brought up old school where you had to recite Scripture. I remember Cheryl's grandfather was one of my Sunday school teachers, and he could recite whole chapters. In fact, um, Psalm 119 was one of his favorite ones to recite. It was an old school just reciting these, these amazing Verses, etc. So the scribes, they knew the word of God better than anybody else did. But when they spoke it, they had no authority. So in other words, they had the word, but it didn't do anything. So Jesus got up and he spoke the word, the same word. Jesus spoke the same word the scribes spoke. But the people were amazed because he spoke with authority. It's the difference in parenting between the parent who speaks with authority with their children and the ones that do not. The parent who's trying to cajole and trying to get their child to do something that they won't do, particularly when they're little and they're defying. There's a point in a child's life when you can see that look in their eye and they're going, I'm going to test you. I'm going, to, I'm going to do my... You can see it in their eye, can't you? Just They look at you and go, yeah. And, and you look at them and you go, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and there's that point when you speak with authority. And the authority isn't necessarily volume. It has volume. It has strength. But it has authority. And the authority lays down the power of the word. See, the word without authority is a word which has no power. In other words, you can speak good words 
But if you don't speak it with the authority of someone who believes those words, then it, it doesn't mean anything. And so often we spend our lives saying the word of God, hoping that it will become something, when we're not saying it with the conviction and the faith of someone who believes it with authority. And we're saying it hoping it may connect something in our heart. But here's the thing. Jesus spoke with authority. You know what? It's like giving people a Bible and saying, this is the word. This will save your life. It will teach you how to live successfully. It will save your marriage. It will. It's like saying, this Bible is going to do everything for you. But a lot of people read the Bible and it, they don't get it. It's a little bit like having, giving a hammer to someone who doesn't know how to use it. Now, I know how to use a hammer because I used to make furniture. I know Paul uses a hammer. Knows to use a hammer. Paul and I have worked on a number of projects before. We get out the pins. We put, in fact, but when this carpet, before the carpet was put down, we put the flooring down and we got in and we, on hands and knees pins because the uh, nail guns weren't doing the job properly and we just did it by hand and we we got pins and hammers but you got a hammer you get a pin bang bang you're in but watching someone who's never used a hammer before is quite troubling it's this this, they got this instrument in the hand and they got the pin and it's the it's the continual tap 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 and you're like oh jesus please Christmas is coming and I don't know whether we're going to be ready. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you watch them tap, 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 bend. <laughs> Just give it to me. We can do it in two swipes. <laughs> it's the word of God without authority. Is someone speaking it and they're just tap, 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 tap and they're not getting anywhere. But there's nothing wrong with the word. It's the authority that is applying it determines what it achieves. See, the word has great power, but it's been given to us as a tool for administering his kingdom, bringing life and liberty to all who hear it. And so the word has great power, but that power must always come with a voice of authority. Jesus spoke with authority. It says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. Let me read this to you. It says, That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his power, sorry, through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted up and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, if ever there was a scripture that defined the lift, this would be it. Here is a, let me just read that to you again. This is the lift that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I reckon every Christian I've ever met only desires that. 
That's really what our heart cry. When we, when we gather together in a prayer meeting, when we, when we come together in a heart cry, it's God that I may just know God in His fullness. That I may know the depth, that I may have some comprehension of the width and the depth and the height, the length, the fullness of who He is. That I may experience the truth of His revelation. That it may transform my thinking, my understanding, my speaking and my language. That my, my behavior and the, the actions and decisions I take are taken according to the revelation of the Word of God. With confidence and authority knowing that what I do and what I say is changing my life and the lives of everyone I interact with. That's the revelation. That's the, the power. That's the comprehension of the fullness of God. But in verse 16 it says, He will grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. You see, to know how to experience the easy lift, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is speaking something into our inner man. When David was writing this psalm, he was writing... A psalm with full of the challenges and the expression of the weight of life. But he had this turning point. He continually found that as he turned to the Spirit of God, that his, not just his words, but the action that he took in declaring those words lifted him into a point of revelation. He experienced a lift. But here's the lift. In Psalm 28 and verse 7, the latter half of this verse, that this whole chapter comes down to these few words. It says, and with my song I will praise Him. The consistent characteristic of a person who is loving and worshipping God is the song that he sings. It's the song. Now, a lot of we, we say it's the word. The word is essential, but without the song, it often fails because we don't believe it. God created us to worship Him. And worship is an expression, first and foremost, through melody. First and foremost, through melody. The heavens are filled with the melody of God's praise. Music is a key instinct of who we are. David was only a king because he knew how to play a musical instrument and knew how to worship in the hardest of times. You see, your lift is found in your song. Now, you always say, well, okay, I thought you were going to tell me something new and original. Yeah, well, there isn't anything new and original to tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> If you ever hear anything about, I'm going to tell you something you've never heard before, it's probably because they just made it up and it isn't true, right? (laughs) There's nothing new to tell you. This is the clue about worshipping God. This is the clue about how to get your heart, which doesn't believe or is struggling to believe, that is saying something but hasn't gotten a conviction on it, how do I change my mind? How do I change my conviction? Let me ask this other question. How many of you have experienced a point where you're saying something about the Word of God 
but your life experience is in complete contradiction to it and there's this point of conflict going on inside of you. You're good enough to know that the Word of God trumps your experience. It's like, the Word of God always trumps it. You're, you're good enough to acknowledge that. You just don't know how to get your heart there. So you see the Word. You understand the Word. You even speak the Word, but it doesn't lift you. I, I need you to understand what you sing will lift you. What you declare in song will lift you. When we were worshipping this, um, this morning, we were singing some incredible songs. And I, I, during worship, I was thinking there was one particular song we were singing that I was going to get the band up to do again because it's so amazing. And it was feel like I can't remember what it was because I never can. And uh, it's like Cheryl's always telling me off for making up words when I'm singing songs, you know. So she knows all the words to all the songs. And I only know the opening line. After that, it's a, it's a guess. You never know what might come out, you know. It's like, I, could, I just could sing anything. And uh, I generally do. I just generally sing something which rhymes. And uh, I kind of feel, it's good, you know. Um, so I kind of make stuff up. So... I, when I'm, I'm worshipping, I'm, I'm singing these songs and I'm looking at the words and I'm thinking, when we sing, there's only two ways to sing. One, you're singing, but your brain isn't engaged. And two, you're singing and your heart is being lifted. There's no other option. There's option A or option B. That's it. Though if we go for the conviction, if I'm struggling to believe, how do I get my belief believing? How do I lift my heart? How do I do the easy lift? How do I get that enormous five foot mattress over my shoulder and in the door? How do I get that thing that I can't lift lifted? How do I lift my heart that seems determined to grind itself on the ground? How do I get that thing up? How do I get my heart and my mind? This is simple. You sing a song. The song that you sing, the melody that comes out of your heart, the confession of truth will always change you. You know, the enemy uses music to change generations. Music has continually been the leading culture changer in today's society. But God is over all of the music that the world is using for its own purposes. The music. I love listening to the radio. I love singing. And this is what I found. It doesn't matter what, is, what music is playing, apart from heavy metal. If, <laughs> I said music anyway. So any music that's playing, <laughs> you've got some thrash metal going, and some blare going. Ah! It's like... <laughs> It's like, well, you know, eventually it will come out of him. And, uh, <laughs> but any music that comes, I can worship God with. It's just the turn of the heart. That when you determine within your heart to worship, you lift 
your spirit man. That's how the Holy Spirit ministers to your inner man. He does so with the melody of the tunes that he's created in this place. Every song that is in your heart is a melody written in your heart by the Holy Spirit that you may worship him. You may feel like that you're a dreadful singer, that you don't have a tune in your head. Join me in that terrible party. Uh, of singers who, who, who are liberated away from the constraint of musical <laughs> restrictions, tones and rhythm and beat. We are free of all of that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Regardless of what your genetic ability to hold on to music, the song that you sing, and here is the thing that I've found, As we worship Christ, as we turn our heart toward Him, those that walk in liberty are those who sing with the fullness of the heart. They don't hold it back. They are not constrained by embarrassment. They turn aside and they worship God. I remember as an 11-year-old boy being in a Baptist chapel in a small village called Barkham in East Sussex in a tiny little building that was being held together by four batus on the walls of the outside so the building didn't fall over. And there we were in this chapel. It was in the days when you had to wear your Sunday best. And there I am in my little jacket. A little bit like that one, actually. <laughs> Tweed jacket bought for me by my mum. And my best Sunday trousers that made me look like Rupert Bear. They were bright yellow and big checks. <laughs> Red squares. They were dreadful, actually, but, but they were my trousers for Sunday best. And I remember people singing, and we had hymn books, obviously, but they also had just got overhead projector. Oh. And uh, so they're here they are singing, and there are people around beginning to break free, and something wanted in my heart wanted a lift. Something in my heart wanted to lift. And I remember thinking to myself, 11 years of age, am I going to let my brothers and sisters, because I knew nobody else, am I going to let my brothers and sisters tell me, my brothers particularly, who would beat me on the way home, that I couldn't worship, that I looked like an idiot? Am I going to let them, or am I going to let God lift me? I remember thinking about the people around me. And we're often embarrassed by people making a fool of ourselves in front of people we don't know who will never see us again, that kind of thing. Which doesn't make any sense, but we don't want to look foolish in front of anyone. And so we constrain ourselves by our surroundings. But I felt the pull of the Holy Spirit to just worship. And I remember just lifting my hands for the first time in my life strangest experience that I've ever gone through. I felt like an electric current going through my body as I lifted up my hands 11 years of age and just worshipping God and feeling the breath of the Holy Spirit breathe upon me. As I spoke words I didn't understand, revelation began to burn in my heart about how he loved me and had a call that rested upon my life. 
I don't know whether I would have ever found that place if I hadn't lifted my heart and my hands and let that song come out as loud as I possibly could sing. I discovered I had a voice and it might not be the greatest voice, but I can tell you it's loud. <laughs> and it would sing louder than everybody else. It says in Joe, Jude 1 Verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. See, I, I need you to understand that whatever your life challenge is, there are, there are plenty of challenges, but that is a, the challenges are relevant. What we need to know is the easy lift. When you worship it's easy. The easy lift will carry you into a place of faith. The worship will pull you from the ground into the heavens in an instant. You will be radically changed by the song that is in your heart. Amen? Let's stand up, shall we? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www junctionchurch.com. God bless.